Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Now, some of you know and some of you don't that I select my scripture based on the lectionary. There's a three-year plan that the church made up literally hundreds of years ago. And if you follow the plan of the lectionary, you will cover all of the Gospels in a three-year period. Now, I do that so that it'll keep me honest. Because if you are, if you are not paying attention, you're going to wind up hitting the same themes and the same scriptures over and over and over. Because we all have our favorites. There's some preachers who never leave Romans and some who never leave John. So I did not select this scripture. It was selected literally hundreds of years ago. And yet it is entirely appropriate for today because I want you to hear this. The Herodians were the group of people that said, you know what? We've been conquered by the Romans. Let's just try and get along. Let's pay our taxes. Let's not cause trouble. And if we don't cause trouble, they'll let us go about our business. The Herodians literally said, let's pay the tax. Let's just get it over with. Pay the tax. Keep the peace. Now, the Pharisees, that's the other group that was sent. Let's call them the purity party. They said, there's an image on that coin. That image claims to be God. It's an idol. We're not paying the tax. We refuse to pay the tax. The tax is wrong. We're paying it to people who aren't Jewish. They took over our country. We need to get them out of here. We're not paying the tax. Now, does that sound familiar? Right? Now, I don't know if you know this, but it is against the rules for me to take a side in politics. In fact, if anybody turned me in for taking a side, the state of New Jersey and the federal government could come and take our tax-exempt status away. I don't know if you know that. If I were to say, vote for this guy or this person or that party or that party, and somebody turned us in and filed a complaint, it's against the rules. Now, I do have a friend who's a lawyer who would remind me that I could certainly take a stand if I wanted to start paying taxes on all this land on Kings Highway in Cherry Hill. Right, Pastor? You, you could take a stand. <laughs> How much money you got? So I don't know if you, you can hear this, but the government is almost doing this to the pastors. And uh, Kenneth Copeland said this years ago, and it stuck with me. He said separation of church and state was not designed to protect the government from the church. You have to think about that. So, here we go. The Herodians are on this side. The Pharisees are on this side. On most everything they disagree. Except on one thing, and that's that Jesus needs to go. Why? Jesus is affecting their power base. So here they come again with what they believe to be an impossible question. If Jesus says, don't pay the tax... The Romans arrest him. If Jesus says, do pay the tax, then he loses credibility with all of the people that have come to hear the word of God. It's an impossible question. It's like this. Do you still beat your little brother up? There's, <laughs> thank you, Jane. <laughs> there's, there's no right answer to that question. 
If you say no, that means you beat him up in the past. If you say yes, then you're admitting that you're still beating him up. There's, there's no way around it. It's an impossible question. So I want you to hear the impossible questions that we fight with today. Are you okay with higher taxes or lower taxes? Are you supporting fossil fuels or renewable energy, pro-life, pro-choice, big government, small government, build a wall, open borders, gun control, gun rights, one-payer health care, private insurance, Republican, Democrat, Socialist, Green Party, he said, she said, and not one person is asking, what did God say? Jesus takes all of that political rhetoric, the same rhetoric that we're wrestling with today, and he points us back to God. C.S. Lewis, in What Christians Believe, it's a great um, essay, I think you would call it. It's not book length, but it's an essay, says that we need to think of ourselves as an engine that God built. And that God tells us how to run the engine. And then we spend the rest of our lives trying to run the engine on things that aren't of God. I had the opportunity in uh, 1996 to sing with a tenor you may have heard of. His name was Luciano Pavarotti. Uh, he was doing the Pavarotti competition in in Philadelphia, I, I did not get selected as one of the contestants, but I got hired to sing in the choir. That's, that's sort of a, a backhanded slap. You're not good enough to be in the competition, but we'd love you to be in the chorus. And uh, Luciano Pavarotti tells the story that when he was a boy, his father, who was a baker, introduced him to the wonders of song. In fact, I've, I've heard recordings of his father. His father also had a beautiful voice. And his father in, encouraged Luciano to work hard to develop his voice. Arrigo Pola was his voice teacher in Modena, Italy. And Pavarotti enrolled, I don't know if you know this, into teacher's college. And on graduating with his teaching certificate, he asked his father, should I be a teacher or should I be a singer? His father, with the wisdom that comes from age, said this. If you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. Pavarotti, later in wife, wrote, I chose one. It took seven years of study and frustration before I made my first professional appearance. It took another seven to reach the Metropolitan Opera. And now I think whether it's laying bricks, writing a book, whatever we choose, we should give ourselves to it. Commitment is the key. Choose one chair. So the question I have for you today is, what did you have for breakfast? Well, I got up at my regular time. The gym opens at 7, so I get to sleep in a little. I uh, check my blood sugar. I do my diabetes shot and I had a protein shake and a protein bar to get ready to go. Some of you, and I don't want to know, skipped breakfast, didn't you? Just nod like this. Yes, you did. Skipped breakfast. Some of you might have had a Danish or a pastry or an apple crumb donut from Dunkin' Donuts. Some of you had a big breakfast with ham and eggs and maybe some toast and some orange marmalade. And we're back to that whole idea of the engine. 
what did you put in your engine to make it go? Uh, there are two teachers with whom I work who are competitive weightlifters. These guys measure everything. You get out to lunch and they pull out this Tupperware thing and it's usually got rice and some meat in it and it's strictly measured because they know exactly how much protein they want to put in, how much carbohydrates to keep it going. And then when they're getting ready for a competition, they're doing what they call cutting. They're lowering their body fat to below 5%. So you can see all the muscles in the veins. I don't think I'll ever see that kind of body fat percentage. But it's fascinating to watch. And they will tell you repeatedly that food is fuel. Food is what your body runs on. And I look at them and I say, oh no, food is fellowship and food is fun and food is pleasurable. One nourishes the body and one nourishes the soul. Some of my happiest memories as a dad are sitting at the table with all three kids and their mother and laughing about our day and telling stories. And I don't even remember what we had for dinner, but I remember the fellowship that went with it. What you put into your body is equally as important as what you put into your spiritual body. Reminds me of the old days when I used to pump gas out at the Hess station on the Collingswood Circle. And they had this newfangled gasoline. We never thought it would take off. But if you remember in the old days, you had regular, you had premium, and then they added one. Unleaded. And it had a different nozzle, and all the cars with unleaded had a, a, an extra piece in their, their gas tank so that you couldn't put the wrong kind of gas in their car. And it cost a little bit more, and we were like shaking our heads. This is never going to take off. Now, some people would get out of their car and pump their own gas in New Jersey. Can you believe that? And they would not recognize the difference between regular and unleaded and we would let them go if you're going to do that put the wrong kind in because we knew that down the road what was going to happen that car was going to stop running because they put the wrong fuel into the car regular unleaded it determined the health of the engine and the level of performance you can run on the wrong kind of fuel for a little bit but sooner or later your engine is going to stop. The story's told of two men who were walking in Times Square. And the one man stopped and he said, I hear a cricket. And his friend said, are you kidding? There's car horns and taxis and people shouting at one another. How could you possibly hear a cricket and his friend says no I'm sure of it I hear a cricket the man who thought he heard a cricket listened carefully and then he walked to this big cement planter where some shrubs were growing he looked in the bushes and beneath the branches sure enough there was a cricket his friend was utterly amazed as would be most of us that's incredible his friend said you must have superhuman hearing. No, the man said who heard the cricket, my ears are no different from yours.
It depends on what you're listening for. Oh, but that can't be, his friend said. I could never hear a cricket in all this noise. It is true, came the reply. It depends on what's really important to you. Here, let me show you. He reached into his pocket and he pulled out a a handful of coins and discreetly dropped them on the sidewalk. And then the noise of the crowded street still blaring in their ears, they noticed that every head within 20 feet turned around to see where the money had landed on the pavement and if it was theirs. See what I mean, said the man who heard the cricket? It all depends on what's important to you. In the end... That's where Jesus is headed. Render under Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but render under God what is God's. Jesus asked three questions. We're going to finish with this. Question number one, what belongs to Caesar? Folks, I I have bad news for you. We still have to pay taxes. This is not a sermon on taxes, but I'd like to see you all next week. So please continue to pay your taxes. We don't have a prison ministry here at King's Community Baptist Church. Jackie Mason, the comedian, said once, I I tried to pay my taxes with a smile, but they wanted cash. You have to think about that one, okay. But that's the first question. What is Caesar? I mean, we've got to get up. We've got to go to work. We've got to pay our bills. Got to pay your mortgage. We, We have children. They like to eat regularly. I used to tell mine, eat or grow, but don't do both. I can only afford one. But you've got to pay Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Question number two is what belongs to God? What truly belongs to God? Well, everything belongs to God is the easy answer. And I belong to God, you belong to God is the hard answer. Give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. It resonates for me with Joshua when at the end of his life leading the ragtag Hebrews into the country of Israel and making them a nation, what did he say at the end of his life? Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we choose the Lord. What are you willing to choose or What are you putting in your engine? What did you have for breakfast today? Did you have a protein bar? Did you have the word of God? What is running your engine? Amen.